You're listening to Moms No Expert Podcast. On this podcast, we'll be going on a journey together and learn how to be the best moms we can be. I'm your host, Irmari. Hola, welcome to Moms No Expert live event, the first ever. I've never had one, and I'm so Ooh. happy that Miss Pierre is with me. Hey. <laughs> and this episode is sponsored by the Huntington Boston's Premier Theater Company. Use promo code MOMS at thehuntingtontheater.org for $10 off your ticket price for the current production of the Blue SI. This promo code is also good to purchase your online cinematic experience with the Blue SI captured in 4K. See more details on thehuntingtontheater.org. And if you have any questions, obviously, you know, my DMs are always open or email me and I'll help you out. And without further ado, welcome, Miss Piera. To hello, hello. That was official, okay. I know, that was like, <laughs> so cool. Oh my God. Official, official. <laughs> well, um, tonight we have Miss Piera, and have I've been saying on my previous episodes and online this whole time that this live will be specifically about the bluest eye. The bluest eye is. Uh, the book by Toni Morrison and the reason that this came up is because the Huntington Theater it is they have a rendition of this book and it's amazing and I went and saw it and if you heard my three episodes ago you heard me talk about it a little bit but this is going to be full-on blue SI oh beautiful (laughs) she is an art therapist for those who don't know um, and I think it's amazing. And before we start talking about it, I do want to know how you got into art ther- therapy. How did this come about? Okay, this is like a long story. So I really <laughs> went to school to get my bachelor's in psychology. I've always been into art, but I never really focused on it because, you know, growing up, it's like, you gotta have a job. Artists, you know, they don't make money. So I was like, I'll be a psychologist. I love the brain. I love the mind. I love helping people. I'm in my in like near the end of my sophomore year. So like second semester, I'm taking a ceramics course and the professor's like, you're really good at this. What is your major? Like psychology. He's like, well, have you heard of art therapy? I'm like, what? And I was like, no, I haven't. So I made like the transition from majoring to psychology to minoring in psychology and then majoring in art. And From there, I went to graduate school and I went to the Art Institute and that's where I'm at now in Chicago. So it was just kind of like, never heard of it. It was introduced to me. I Googled it and I was like, I like this. I like art. I like the mind. I like helping. Let's do this. And that's pretty awesome. And I feel like it was like meant for me to go to the school that I went to, to learn about it because I really, really like what I'm doing. So that's really good. I love it. I do. How did you come about? How, why do you like psychology so much? Because I grew up in a pretty well-balanced childhood. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to say it, but um, and I love and I love psychology and I did go to school. I didn't graduate. And that's for another episode. But I didn't graduate. And but I, it, it, it came because of my childhood. Like, that's why I love the mind and I love psychology. So why do you like it? I'm not even going to lie. I really like true crime. Okay. Okay. And I've always liked true crime. Like I'm watching a and I'm watching discovery channel and like all of like the Ted Bundy's I'm like, what happened to them and all these, you know what I mean? And yeah. so I would how like, how did you become like, you? Yeah. Like, how is your mind? Like, how does it make you do this? Like you're it's it, they always talked about like their past and their childhood. And I'm just like, Oh my God, this is so intriguing. I'm watching movies on like, you know, multiple personalities and stuff like that. And I'm just like, wait, what is this? It just was interesting that like certain things in your life can impact you like in your future and, or continue to have an impact. And then like growing up in a household where I was like, you know, I know very similar to like the bluest eye, you know, overhearing like certain conversations. I'm like, oh my God, that makes sense. Why like my mom does these certain things and oh, this is why they want me to, you know, focus on this, this kind of things. But it's just like psychology. It was just like the mind, how it works. And then I remember taking like a high school course on psychology, like, and then it was talking about nature versus nurture. And I'm like, oh my God, Ted Bundy, like, was it his nature? <laughs> was he born this way? Was he born bad? 
Was he born bad? Oh and then as I like again, got older, got into the school, I learned more about it. And then, like I said, I got introduced to art therapy and the fact that you can use art as a tool to help you within the therapy session because not everyone likes to talk or some people need like a little push into like sharing a little more about what's going on. But yeah, true crime. <laughs> it got you. <laughs> <laughs> it got you. Well, tonight, um, if you read the Eventbrite invite, we did have Dr. Sandy, but like any mom can relate because, you know, moms can relate. <laughs> um, she is a mother and things happen. So she won't be here tonight with us, but we, she's here with us in spirit. She sent us all of her love and she said that she hopes this is great. So hi, and I hope you listen <laughs> in the future. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to make that because I know a lot of people were expecting Miss Sandy, but yeah. it's okay. It happens. I, I know a lot of times where I've been like, well, I can do it because my kid. <laughs> so I understand. Um, so we're going to talk about the blue SI. But before we get into that, I do want to pay homage to Toni Morrison because yesterday was her birthday. And I think this is so cool how when Piera and I it with the Huntington Theater, we're talking about let's do this live. We were like, oh, let's do it this day. Let's do it this this day and we ended up doing it today and it worked out I think in my mind it worked out perfect because it's the day right after her birthday and we're going to talk about one of her biggest book I mean the first book so I think it's amazing um and we have a couple of little details about <laughs> Miss Tony Morris which we were talking about earlier so I have two three so she has 37 books which I think that's great because I don't think I've ever read 37 books in my life. So to write 37 books, I that's that's admirable. Um, she is, which correlates with Black History Month. She is the first African-American woman ever to win the uh, Nobel Prize in literature. And sorry, I have an accent, so it sounds weird. <laughs> and what was the other thing that I know? Her actual oh. name. Oh, her actual name is Claudia, right? And Chloe. But, oh, Chloe, Chloe. Look at me. I don't even name no names, but <laughs> she her Tony was her nickname, and she just changed it to Tony Morrison. So I like that. Um, yeah. So, do you have anything you want to add? Um, <laughs> I'm like, I yeah. know there are college courses that focus on her books because her books are so in depth and like they require a lot of like processing so I do know like if you ever want to take a course on Toni Morrison you're going to be reading a couple of her books and breaking them down with your beard <laughs> there you go <laughs> so her first book that she wrote she wrote it in 1970 and it's the blue side which we'll, we'll be talking about today and so I haven't read the book it's funny story so I bought the book just want to share the story I bought the book right before I went to see the play because I wanted to read it and it got taken from my front porch <laughs> and I was like they better I <laughs> was like I hope you guys read it and just put it back and just I mean I want to read it still because uh, yeah it was funny but I was like whatever but I did see the play and I did read online because I was like I don't want to rebuy it because I just didn't want to rebuy it I was like I bought it and somebody stole it what if somebody steals another one I think that's why I didn't rebuy because I was like what if they just steal another one but I will eventually if I go to Target and see it I would just go get it that is very fair I actually I'm not a big like physical reader but I really like audible I'm really glad I did do the audible version because Tom Morrison actually narrated it so that was really cool hearing her like read and like the tone that she uses throughout like the book and it gives like it created a bigger picture like I already knew if I physically read it I would have like a visual but like having her Mm -hmm. read it and it was very poetic and so it's just like okay all right I'm glad I did the audible and then I actually watched the play afterwards so I because I couldn't I know we talked like previously before um the link was sent to me and I was like should I read the book or should I watch the play first (laughs) 
but I'm glad I read the book first and then watched the and play. Watched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm doing it backwards, but I have the essence. And I mean, I read, there's a lot of things that the play, like you saw, there's certain things that the play didn't have, but we can definitely talk about it. Um, one thing that I like is that the book is the chapters are in the, uh, like it starts with uh, it starts with autumn, sorry, and it finishes with summer. I think that's pretty. It's like a detail that you don't think about just because you're like, oh, they start narrating, and you're like, why does this matter? But it does matter because of the way that they're dressing, what's happening in their house, like so. Those are things that you don't think about, but when you're reading, why you know you're reading, and you're like, oh, well that makes sense because yeah. each I mean, part is very significant and it's also the fact that it's like technically just about like a year mm-hmm. and you're just like this is like over the course of a year and you're just yeah like, okay wow everything happened yeah so what so let's just talk about the beginning of everything so the main character her name is Picola for those of you who haven't read it or seen the the episode I mean the play sorry um her name is Picola and it and it's her story through one of her childhood friends it's not her narrating it in the whole book and in the play it's her friend narrating her story and go ahead sorry Claudia and Frida in the play it's Claudia and Frida but in the story in the book it's just it's only Claudia yeah one thing that I do like is that it's her her friend is narrating it and the reason why I like it is as friends we tend to see things different like from you like we can see who you are and see what's happening around you Mm -hmm. and we can speak in detail maybe things that you as a person, you're like, I'm not going to say that. But as a friend, you're like, I'm going to say it. So yeah. I like the fact that it's her friend that is narrating it and that she is so real because she is real. I also liked it because in the book, you see a transition of like Claudia, how they like they were kind of friends, but not really. But as like the story progressed, their friendship grows stronger and her like compassion for Pacola. Listen, Pacola's my girl, my sweet baby. <laughs> I feel her, yeah. Pacola's my sweet baby. But like as the story progresses, you see her compassion and you see her just kind of like realizing, wait, this isn't right for her. Mm-hmm. So I really did enjoy that from the book's perspective. Perspective, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, One thing that, so the book, in the play they speak about face so it's a black little girl she's like 10 I think she's like 11, 11 or 12 Pacola, 11, Pacola like 11 or 12 11 yeah and it's I like the fact so I saw this play with my daughter and I like the fact that they talk about beauty which is I mean the blue eye is one of the things that she always mentions because she says she wants blue blue eyes and when I saw that and when I saw with my daughter which I've been going through a little bit of she doesn't like her hair and you know and I like the fact that expands that it expands how we see ourselves how black people see themselves compare because we don't see ourselves on tv we don't see ourselves anywhere so Mm -hmm. I like that in the book that they mentioned that and when we saw it with my daughter my daughter was like whoa I get it and I was like oh you do it she's like yeah because you know and I was like do you like your hair she's like I mean I'm going to love it I was like okay "Okay." (laughs) good so I like that I like that they they you know that she wrote that part of her story I think I don't know I, I Every time I see like either a show or I read a book, I feel like there's a little bit of the narrator in it or I'm sorry, of the writer in it Mm -hmm. just because where, you know, you get inspiration. So sometimes you pull from your own life. And I mean, it is it's a struggle. I think it's a struggle of a of a black woman, the struggle of. All these women that are getting out of this the 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 depression and all these stuff so I think I like I I love that part about of the book um so as a therapist what are some I guess advice I'm not sure if you give advice but what are some advice that you give to your clients about you know self-love and self-care oh it it very much so 
me being a black therapist that was kind of like number one being in a position also my heater is about to come on so if it's a distraction <laughs> please let me know it's okay if i but hear I, like, yeah but um me taking like wanting to be a black therapist and being very uniquely me it's just being the visual kind of like you can be what you want to be you can look how you want to look and then I kind of like pull people aside and just like what's going on because a lot of the time uh, we I get adolescents I work at a behavioral hospital so I'll get like adolescents and I'll get younger kids and some of them are part of like DCF DCFS so they're there for quite some time and some of them don't have family so Sometimes it'll just be simple things like, you know, just kind of like personally giving them compliments and then reminding them we have to be kind. We don't know what people's situations are. And I know it's tough right now. It's easier to be negative on yourself, Mm -hmm. but you have to find like the simple, smallest thing like, oh, I had really cute nails today. You know what I'm saying? Or just like, (laughs) yeah oh, I'm funny or, oh, you know, just starting small because everyone just immediately goes big with like self-love. And I always say, go with the simplest things, you know, like, oh, I have cute handwriting, you know, and just go from there. And it doesn't have to be all the time, but I always just tell them, start small. What is something that you like about yourself? And And as an art therapist, I do art activities that make them focus on themselves positively because I always say it's easier, you know, to talk negatively about like to yourself mm-hmm. and so it's like what is something well I'm really good at math bam you're bam. good at math. I'm not good at math <laughs> it's like, I am not good at math sorry <laughs> like that's the advice start small start simple don't try to just be like go big with it just start with the simple things oh I, I, I'm really good at reading yeah you know so what are some things that you noticed from Picola that could have helped her I guess with her self-love Oh, my baby Pacola. Her her environment was so horrible. She didn't have like anyone around her to speak positively about her. I Mm. think that definitely took like makes a big impact. Mm -hmm. Even when she went to like Claudia's house, it was still like negative things thrown at her. And it, it just, I don't know. I feel like if she was removed from the environment, that makes sense. Like a big, that would be like a big shift. Mm-hmm. Cause if you're continued, like if you're like still in that environment, that it's not going to change like the mindset you have about yourself. And yeah, especially it's very at that time, there were no role models. Like they were idolizing Shirley Temple, mm-hmm. you know? And then like the baby dolls they were given, they you know, were the white baby with- dolls. I mean, if yeah. they were given like some black Barbies like we have today, I feel like that might help a little bit. You yeah. know what I'm saying? If they were given like the black Barbies, if they're, you know, were able to see someone black on the screen. But again, in that era, that wasn't possible. But if I was able to like, here you go, Cola, here's a black Barbie. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, here's a black Barbie. Go, go feel better. Go love, so, go love on her. She's, there's an example. Just filled yeah. with all like the black Barbies and the black kind of, yeah. But that's one thing that you mentioned um, how there was she was in in this environment that like today's society, like toxic. And it also speaks of like that when you feel so as a parent, like right when you feel a certain way, you pass that on to your children Mm -hmm. because you you pass that trauma, right, that um, generational trauma. And, And this book speaks about that in detail. And I think I like that part because we don't, I don't think we focus on that when we're talking about let's heal or, you know, we don't talk about the generational trauma that you might've not gone through, but your parents did. And because they did, and they they were dealing with that when they were your parents, they passed it on to you. And this book, I mean, her mom, I mean, her mom, was beautiful but she didn't feel pretty you know and her dad you know these he went through a traumatic experience and it's very and my daughter cried on that time like on that part when they of when what happened to him and I mean I'm gonna I don't want to say it but I will say it um I I you guys need to watch it or, or read the book but um so he would he saw this woman he liked this woman and back in the days you know white people they saw black people as 
just puppets and they made them have relations in 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 public while they were watching and And they were pointed at gun and it was their first time and they were you know they had a gun at them um so that was very traumatic and when you think about that right you you're like oh whatever like people have sex all the time or whatever you know but it is traumatic the fact that they're already oppressed like these Mm -hmm. people are already oppressed in this in this part of I mean, they're will still oppressed now, but at this point, they were very oppressed, and they just come with guns and they just, you know, they're like, "Do it!" Like, what do you mean, do it? They're like, "Go yeah, ahead, like, do, oh, it. do it!" Right now, you're gonna die. Yeah, if you don't do it, you're gonna die, and then you have to, you have to have sex with somebody that, even if you had any type of feelings okay. for this person, you know, you that all dies, and and that does a lot to you mentally, and. I feel like that's what happened to him, you know, and, and that's one thing I, that's one thing that I feel for him, because even though he turned out this horrible person at the end, he had he went through a lot. Right. So you these are the things that we have to think about. Like you say, you know, Ted Bundy, <laughs> was he did he was he was born like that? Was it, was, it, was it nurture? <laughs> exactly. And it's one of those things that you have to think about. You're like, was he bad because of his environment or he or was he bad when he was born and he wasn't born bad he turned into this person because of his his environment and these are things that are passed down to your children um so that's one thing that i can talk about generational trauma all night all night right here because i can say cola's mom started off like when she was going through her story she started off very optimistic Mm -hmm. and like willing to put in effort and then it was just that one little thing that was just mm-hmm. like it crumbled like it was already a bunch of things piled on a bunch of things but it was just kind of like the the cherry on top when she lost her tooth and that was it she was just like no more I'm not gonna That's put effort into it but I, I can't say she did try and then it didn't help that even other black people were very negative towards her so she's mm-hmm. like she came from the South and she moved up North. And so in the South, there's like a community, but up North, there's like everyone for themselves. Mm-hmm. And even she thought she was going to come into like a community of other black people. They were like, no, they were against it. So she already had some, like her peers against her in addition to like society against her. And then I was just like, oh, her husband, I mean, her own husband. And, and her yeah. husband. Yes. And it was just like all those things. And she put in a valid effort, but it wasn't, it wasn't strong enough yeah and I mean society just beats you down I think that's what happened what like with her like society beat her down everything her environment her husband and like at the beginning of the story they loved each other like they truly loved and cared for each other but it it's like you said like society and the people around you it just makes it really hard I mean I listen let me tell you black people are the strongest people I've ever met like because you like the things that this world puts you guys through and you guys just come out swinging and is I mean it's a testament this story is a testament to that because although all these happen all these things happen right in the book um the friends you know they were able to like Claudia she was like she shouldn't have happened yeah yeah she had a little awakening too Mm -hmm. wait a minute but she was already like her eyes were already open oh yeah her (laughs) hatred for like the white baby dog she was like i'm gonna rip this white baby up (laughs) but she already had an awareness and so it was like she was already there with it but then it was just like wait a minute this isn't right like they shouldn't be doing this why are they doing this and so that like that was a plus for me even though, again, my poor baby Pecola. <laughs> I know. She, oh, but that's a, that's a plus that like Claudia has like this awareness and is very, it's like, it's more vigilant mm-hmm. to like outside society and her community and knowing that like, even though we are oppressed, we still cannot be, you know, saying negative things to our own and just downing them and just, and it's like, no, she was a victim. We don't, you know, we don't victim shame. And exactly. I one thing um of the story that it it spoke to me like personally (laughs) 
was when Piccola got her period. And the reason why it spoke to me is like growing up, right? I mean, my mom did speak to me about my period, but I know so many girls that Mm-hmm. They were not spoken about their periods. And and that's one thing I, I tell my daughter, like we read books, we talk about we talk about everything, obviously, that she is she can know at this age. But I think it speaks a lot about the fact that parents did not speak about these things to their children. And when she got her period and her friend was trying so hard and then her mom just came out swinging. Like, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, wait a minute. Like, no, they're not. And when I was watching it, it was so it was me, my cousin, my daughter. And when the mom came swinging and like grabbed her, me and my cousin looked at each other like, oh, shit, that would have been us. Because it's like we would have died. We would have died. Like our moms would have grabbed us and like beat the shit out of us. And my daughter was laughing. She's like, oh, my God, are you are you having PTSD? I was like, shut up. (laughs) But but it's just it's just that, you know, it just do first and and ask later type of mentality that parents used to have. It's yeah. still happening to this day. Like I'll come across like some adolescent girls who are just, I don't know how to clean myself properly when it's the time of the month and, mm-hmm. or they don't know like how often they need to change their pads. And I'm just like, it's 2022 mm-hmm. having this conversation, especially because it's a natural thing, but yeah. it's funny because it's just kind of like, they're not taught because their moms weren't proper, like could have probably still don't know. Cause there are women who don't know that, exactly. you know, you know, that saying like, Oh yeah, it, it, your, your stuff cleans itself. That's internally. You still got <laughs> like, you know? still got like sh- to wash outside, please. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's the women who believe, Oh, it just washes itself. I don't have to. It's mm-hmm. just like, no, no, no. That's inside, ma'am. You still got to do all the folds and the flaps and do all mm-hmm. that. Still. And it's also the poor, um like education that our parents got to right like what a tampon is like oh my god if you wear a tampon you're not a lady like that's what my grandmother told me she's like you she's like you can't wear a tampon and I was like and I was sitting there like and I was scared I was scared to this day I'm not scared to this day but I was scared my whole life I was like oh my god I can't wear a tampon because I'm not gonna be a virgin anymore like (laughs) what the heck like that makes no sense I had to tell some girls they were like they were talking about it. it's like no you can only wear a tampon after you have sex and I was like oh skirt no skirt no like why what kind of philosophy is this you can wear a tampon at any phase in your life once yeah. you have your period if you're comfortable with it then they're like no, only after you have sex because you're not a virgin you don't want to break your I was like like, oh no, no, like listen that's not how it works let's calm down oh no oh no um so that yeah that definitely that part definitely spoke to me especially because so many people like I I still to this day like you said that they don't know what a period is they've never been taught and I don't know I feel like this book even though it's written in 1970 still speaks to this day about situations that happen to this day yeah. Like it's a very, I mean, she had a, Tawny Morrison had like a brilliant mind because her books, I mean, I, they, she have 37 books and I'm pretty sure they all speak to situations that happen yeah. to this day. Man, her <laughs> writing through, well, cause like, you're laughing, but I'm like thinking back, like, again, oh like listening to her narrate the story and there are like certain parts that are just like very intense and she wrote them so poetically and I'm like how do you make this traumatic event poetic but she Mm -hmm. did Mm -hmm. but then she I feel like through the writing what she did was like she gave you compassion for like the victim as well as the end the like the culprit the person you know Mm -hmm. and I'm wait a minute no I want to be mad at him yeah like (laughs) so (laughs) so let's so we're gonna tell you um in the I feel like it's not summer spring I think it's in spring the chapter spring um that Piccolo's father he comes home he is wasted and he rapes his daughter and to me seeing that I mean I saw like I was watching it and I saw it and I was like please don't let this be 
what it's going to be because I I was I was in love with Piccolo. Like I was like, oh my god, that like no. And then when it happened, I was feeling bad for him already, you know, because all this yeah. stuff that was happening. And oof, when it happened, um, it sparked a conversation about consensual, non-consensual sex in my house, obviously, because as a shoot, <laughs> but it was very traumatic. I mean, obviously they don't show what happens, but it's traumatic in the sense to know that your own father did that to you, like to know that like it's, it hurts. I mean, it hurt me. And it didn't happen to me. And it hurt me because I was like, oh, my God, this girl has been going through so much. Like, what? Well, and go ahead. Tony set you up because like in the very first chapter, like Claudia says, you know, Pacola carrying her father's baby. And you're like, wait, how are you going to start? You off the like they open the play like that. And they open the she opens the chapter of the book like that. I said, wait a minute, Tony, how are you going to start me off like this? <laughs> How are you starting me up? How are you setting me up for failure already? I'm like, wait a minute. So I was, I'm like, when are we going to get to this part? Like, because in the book, it's just like, bam. And then it's like, all right, now let's, let's, let's start with everything else. I'm like, no, 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 no. I need to get to the part about Cola carrying her mm-hmm. father's child. And I'm just like, she sets you up for that. But no, yeah, like the fact that, oh, I'm sorry. I just no. sad for Pacola and then like, I'm gonna say this part as well, like near the end, she's having a conversation and it's disclosed that she told her mother, Mm -hmm. her mother didn't believe her. Mm -hmm. And I told my mom this part, like I was describing the book to my mom and I told her about it and she's like, oh, like it hurt her. And I'm just like, "I, I hear this a lot. I hear this a lot at my job. Or I hear like mothers who have like boyfriends and stuff like, like they'll go all day wearing like their pajamas and just relaxing in their own home. But then it's mm-hmm. like, oh, my boyfriend's coming, put some clothes on. And it's just like, wait, I'm, but I live here. Why do I have, to, I have to change? I, I don't want him to look at you. He shouldn't be looking at me. Mm-hmm. Like, that shouldn't be a, a concern. Like, mm-hmm. wait, what? And I'm just like. Oh, it's it's a like you said, Toni Morrison wrote things that still resonate to today. To this day, yeah, I think um, it's very it it hurts a lot in the fact that, like you said, it the fact that a man, God, it's gonna, I'm like, I, the fact that a man cannot in the book, okay, all my man that I'm listening to be, I'm not speaking about you, but the fact that. <laughs> he cannot see the difference between your young daughter because it does not matter what Mm -hmm. she looks like what body she got what she got on she is your daughter and the fact that he cannot differentiate that it hurts me and it happens till this day like you said like so many even like teachers oh well she was wearing like a skirt or like straps I'm like and what what does that mean like what do you mean that she was wearing like my clothes has nothing to do with you like you should be able to control yourself right Mm -hmm. and it hurts because I mean not only that Piccola didn't have a great support system Mm-hmm. how is she gonna be like she couldn't deal with the things that she was dealing before right and how is she gonna deal with this trauma now like how and and that's the part of that's the part of the whole book that you're like holy shit like how is she gonna deal with this huge event because now she's because this whole time she's been carrying trauma mm-hmm. from other people but now she has her own trauma that now she has to deal with and if she had this baby which she doesn't you know, she would have like passed that on. And it's even, she didn't even know that she was having a period. She didn't even know like how babies are made. Mm -hmm. And you find out that she's, she can't even process every, like she's like mentally, she cannot process any, like everything that's happening to her, Mm -hmm. which explains why what happens to her at the end. But yeah she briefly talks about like that you know the part where she's like talking about like her body parts disappearing mm-hmm. that's her disassociating from like where from she's at. reality yeah yeah that's like basically like you see it early on talking about my you know this legs are gone the arms are gone and that's her kind of leaving her body so that everything around her 
can go on mm-hmm. like in her mind she's not there no more she's this not is there. not happening to me and so Toni Morrison kind of also prepares you for what happens at the end yeah it's oh, it's this book it's heavy it's spe- I mean it has so many things I mean it has colorism which that scene pissed me off <laughs> Oh. no extend i mean i feel like a lot of scenes Stop make me mad with <laughs> meringue pie <laughs> oh, all the, i feel like all this but this book like i said it speaks to this day like colorism like i feel like a couple of weeks ago there was somebody speaking online about oh like there's not like i can't represent like dark-skinned women and not but she's oh, not dark skin and she was crying about it. And then I heard, you know, and I'm like, it's not your battle. Like you're not dark skin, stay in your lane and let dark skin women do their thing. Let dark skin women represent who they need to represent. Yes. And you stay in your lane and represent light skin women. And you're not, you know, like your skin doesn't mean you're prettier than this person and so on. And it's, oh, yeah, no, that interview, we're not going to talk about that interview. <laughs> so we're not going to talk. She was like, when I came to the U.S., I was before I was considered dark skin. No, you weren't in the U.K. You weren't even considered dark skin. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Exactly. So, yeah, the, the colorism, I mean, but the way that that was displayed, I liked it in the sense that that is how society mm-hmm. sees black women. Right she's light skin she her hair flows and she's this and she's pretty mm-hmm. but Bicola, it's a darker skinned woman her hair is not flowy so she's not pretty but that's not true because Bicola is beautiful yes like what it why what makes you prettier thing. than her yeah i thought she was the cutest thing because she, yeah. so she had an innocent about her whereas you know lemon rang pie <laughs> meringue pie her you know she did it because she was like who had their period and ooh boys and again claudia picked up on it she's like you mm. you know you focusing on this other stuff nasty stuff like why mm-hmm. are we talking about that why are we talking about seeing men naked and Pacola's like no like in the play it was so good because cole's like oh my gosh you know that is not that is not mm. the way that we don't do that that's dirty like she had the innocence about her that she carried and then there's dog tooth who's just like right there period oh yeah and i'm just like that, that yeah, was, like, there's something to that like where it's just like you're you you can be overexposed even though she's like very pretty you can also be overexposed to certain things and mm-hmm. then be upset when other people are not like on your level and just wanting to enjoy being a child and that's what pacola wanted to do she wanted to enjoy being a child she wanted to play just go outside and play she, she just wanted to be a kid she wanted to buy ice cream mm-hmm I did oh, it. I that scene. If they did that that when um, she went i don't know if she went when she went oh, to yeah, buy yeah. and they didn't see her and she was like they don't see me i'm standing yeah. right here and they don't see me i'm cream. like oh yeah and i was just like she just wants some ice cream yeah that's mm-hmm. it they don't and yeah um so talking about the mac tears i don't know if i say that right but claudia and frida and their parents um I think there were the not healthiest family, but they were pretty okay in the sense like the relationship that the kids had with the dad, how they went. And it was nice to see, right? It was even though they were they were working yeah. <laughs> with their father, it was a good bonding time because you don't see that a lot, right? In books and in plays and in movies, you they don't represent Black men being great fathers. Yeah. And I like that. I like the fact that they represented him as a good father. Yeah, I'm taking it to work, but you're, we're talking and we're doing mm-hmm. this together. So I like that part. And your experience, is there, like, have you had, like, good, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure you had bad, but have you had a lot of good, um, like, rapport when it comes to black fathers being there for their children uh-huh so i can say my dad was very much like their dad i i kind of envy like speaking of like claudia and frida's like their household it's very similar to mine like i know that their family like their mother and father have experienced trauma but they were doing 
their best like they mm-hmm. still like informing them like this is your like you're menstruating because pretty mm-hmm. much you menstruate like you told me mom you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. she knew it was like i'm gonna educate you but i'm still whoop you and who's doing all this you know i was like that's like my mom <laughs> she still got my bag you know even though she's so, gonna like, whoop my me he was in the military and he was very hard working early in my life i know he was always kind of gone so like the older i got the more we try to um work on our relationship because it wasn't the strongest relationship Mm -hmm. he passed it's going to be a year next month so a little emotional conversation right now it's okay (laughs) we were very much working on like strengthening our relationship because again he was in the military he was always gone and his view of me is like you're the oldest you got to do these things i just have to tell you and as I got older and as he like had conversations with my mom, he learned like, you know, you can still be there to support her and all these things. So mm-hmm. we had some moments where we were like together and I just, I just know that like any man in my future, that's kind of like what I want. Like I like, even though we weren't constantly like talking like me and my mother were, I was just like, he's constantly working. I have like no issues or anything. So like, yeah. and if I needed something, he always was like, I got you. And in his own interesting way, he was very supportive of like whatever I did. And so that's like the role model for me, like for future men in my life. Which is I- great. I think that's, yeah. that's, that's amazing. I don't have the same experience and there is an episode of Mom's No Expert about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, but I, I, I am in that space right now where I'm trying to work on, because when I did my episode on my, on my dad, it like sparked a conversation and it was interesting because although I've talked to my father, like I've, I was able to be more of a support for him. Like when things were happening around us, like when my, a lot of things happened, custody battles with my little sister and all that stuff. I was there, like I was a support and I was like, I'm supposed to be your daughter. Right. So there was a lot of things that happened, but now as adults, we're able to have that conversation and, and talk and we're pretty okay. Like we talk all the time. Um, and he tries to talk to my daughter, but he only speaks Spanish. So that's, that's funny. Cause my daughter's like, Nope. (laughs) She's like, like, I'm not speaking Spanish. I was like, Oh my God. So that's funny. But going back to the play, um, Mm -hmm. the part about that you're talking about that both of the parents have trauma. One thing that I've read is that when parents have trauma and they like, they, pass that down each child has a different relation to that trauma so like you can see that with Claudia how Claudia is and Claudia is not hanging and fraternizing with any white person (laughs) none at all (laughs) and Frida's more forgiving in that sense like Frida's like okay whatever like she's not ready to kill nobody I'm but I'm Frida and my sister's Claudia (laughs) (laughs) you're like yeah well that makes sense and and so what is that why I mean do you know why is that when the trauma is passed down why each children Um, has a different response what's interesting because like Frida's the oldest I'm the oldest so it was like that additional help within the house okay where and then like Whereas like Claudia and my like sister, because that's where I see the similarity because they're just like, no, no, it's just like, no, whatever. I don't care what you say. Like, I don't like you. This is that like point blank. Because it was like a lot of the responsibility can like fall on the shoulders of the oldest. And then we have to be more understanding. Okay, I think that's what like where me and Frida like have like a very similar we have to be understanding it's okay she's upset. Like when Claudia was uh, when Frida was getting hurt, like but will for help and Frida, she was just like. She couldn't, you know, it was just like, okay, she's doing it. She's mad, but she didn't stop. Like, it was like, no, that was Claudia. Claudia was like, no, mama, she's, you know, she's bleeding. And then Frida yeah. was like, yeah. and then she's like, okay, you know, you have to understand. Like, I get it. I did something wrong. I think I did something wrong. Yeah. And so I think that's what it's like being the eldest, especially in like, when you know they're trying their best and it's like, I need your help type of situation. And you just have to be like, it's okay. It, it's okay. I'm going to help. I got to be there. So I'm take it. Whereas like the youngest doesn't have much. I, I don't think they had a younger sibling to where yeah, like they'd... Claudia had to, you know, it was just kind of like Frida and it was like Claudia. And it's Claudia. like Claudia could like make the mess up since Frida was going to fix it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's very interesting. I don't have that. Well, I, I don't have a younger sibling in my like 
from my mom's side. I do from my dad's side. And I can see that in my, so I'm the middle child. My oldest sister is very like, I don't care. (laughs) And then my younger sister is very like, I'm doing what I want. And I'm, I guess like in that sense, I'm the oldest because I'm very like, I'm understanding. I'm like, I get it. You know, I get where you're coming from. And I guess because we were raised together. So I'm, I'm like that a little bit, but one thing that I liked about (laughs) what she said is every season we get whooped and every, and it's a different whoop in every season. (laughs) Um, and that it's funny. I mean, I, I think it's funny now, but it's very, it's very true. <laughs> like, it's very true. You will still get your ass whooped. It's just a different way because it's, you know, it's different seasons. Yeah. So that, do you have, so I am a mom that I try. I, I, I don't whoop my daughter. I would say I do, but I don't. Do you have any type of like recommendation of, obviously I think whooping, it's not ideal because she's not learning anything about it so what is your take on it I don't believe whoopings because I again I work at a behavioral hospital and we uh, work I work with younger like pediatric so you know I can't put hands on kids so there are times where I just have to know like okay this child does not do well with like yelling so I'm going to get on their yet level and I'm just like what's the problem mm-hmm. you know or there are times where I just kind of had to like let me quickly take a quick breath or whatever but I think it's just kind of like actually knowing your child and knowing kind of like okay when I get mad they get worse and it's kind of like realizing that and seeing that and just like I gotta bring it down some Mm -hmm. kids you can just yell at them because they're gonna be like oh god they're yelling you know like it's not their normal like if you're always yelling it's not gonna work but knowing like this this situation equates for like what are you doing put that down versus now, do we really need to use that right now? No, we don't. Like just differentiating that and just knowing specifically how that child works. Because I think sometimes a lot of parents don't realize that their child has a personality. Yep. <laughs> that child has a personality. They're a, they're a little person. I get the thought, no, they're the child. I'm like, but you can't do the same for, you can't discipline all of them. And so you frustrate yourself. And so you're going to have to like, actually take the time to know, okay, this child requires explanation. Like, again, talking to my mom recently, she was like telling me like my nephew, if you explain things to him, which a lot of people don't like, like you probably explain that to a child, but it's like explain to him, he might not get it, but it's the fact like, okay. So there's like an actual reason, not just, I need to stop. Mm -hmm. And so like my mom gets that I need to explain it to him and he, you know, he'll cut it out. And then some kids like, don't do that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. My daughter's very explain, like explain things to type of kid. Like I have to, and it took me a minute to understand that because like, I mean, generational trauma and all like you, you go ask your taught, like you do what you were like was done to you. So I was very like yelling and very like, because I'm your mother and type of situation. And I mean, it worked out for me, but it does not work for my daughter at all. So Mm -hmm. I had to sit down and say, there is something that I'm doing wrong because I realized like, I don't, I don't even remember the day, but I remember I was sitting there and I looked at her and I was like, how can I talk to you? So you understand me. And she looked at me like surprised. And I was like, I just, I'm sick of yelling and you're not understanding. And I don't want to be this person. I was like, I really don't want to be yelling at you all the time. So help me help you. I was like, I really, I'm like, I'm coming from a, I'm just, I'm out of sources, ma'am. Like, help yeah. me help you. And she was like, talk to me. And I was like, oh, that's it. Okay. And <laughs> yeah. That's it. We can talk. And, and, think, and it worked. That's another thing you were able to like, realize that you were able to realize there's something you're doing that's not working. And a lot of parents just because their parents think it's going to work. I'm, I'm the parent. Mm-hmm. I know what's right, what's wrong. But it's like you are able to acknowledge and take accountability that something I'm doing is not working and I need to fix it. Mm-hmm. And so kudos oh, to you for doing that. Kind of learning. They don't want to take accountability and say that they're doing something wrong. Yeah. Because like some people just assume I'm a parent. Whatever I say goes. It's like, no, you could be doing things wrong. Yeah. And so that's like also like the very first step. Okay, something's not working. 
I need to figure it out and not get mad at the child. It's not the child because they're a child. They're not fully like their brains are not that still developing. Yeah, definitely not developing. (laughs) They're they're developing, but like not in the way that we want them to. (laughs) Yeah, it's like no. Listen, I still to this day I'm trying to learn and learn her and learn her love language. Learn learn how she learns because that's another thing you know I'm like how do you what 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 is this what is math and she's like well this isn't I'm like that's not how I used to (laughs) learn I'm like what are you doing so it's it's very it's a tough it's a tough job like being a mother is very tough and the play writes it or the play the book writes it very well because it teaches you or shows you that being a mom is very tough especially when you're a working mom like when they talk about Piccolo's Piccolo's mom what her name is I have it here Pauline 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 yeah but you know they call her Mrs. Bree Love oh Mrs. Bree Love (laughs) I was like I wrote something about love so yeah so it when she's working how she had to became this other person right she's like all about this white baby that's not her baby yet with her own baby she's not like that so it showed like finding that like she was able to understand this other child that's not her child and and love this other child but not her own child and that is what a, being a mom is. It's trying. It being who she was with this other child, <laughs> with her own. Um, that scene. That scene, huh? <laughs> no. no the, and when like Mrs. Bree Love is talking about giving birth to Pacola and how she was just like that. She was. She. She even said she was like beautiful when she was like breastfeeding and those like those eyes. And I was just like, she. Oh, she did have like some she love. Loved, yeah. Yeah. She did love her. I think, I think that's one thing we always forget that our mothers love us, even our fathers, they love us in a way like that they like the way that they know. I think, especially with this play, how much trauma they've been through, they can only love how much they know, right? They don't know all these other things that we now know, like all these other, like, reading and looking for help going to therapy all these things that we have accessible kind of not so much but (laughs) we do um I mean you know there's still not it's not so accessible to get therapy but it's kind of accessible right um they don't have that yeah yeah (laughs) they didn't have that right so the she could only love as much as she could and then she was just like I'm out like that's it I'm just done (laughs) I'm done that's how far as I get and it's very, I don't know, like, I think it speaks to moms in general, right? I think all moms get to that point when you're like, okay, I think it's my time to hang the gloves, I'm done. Yeah. Um, but it, obviously, like I said, we do have these resources. Like, I've had those, I've had that moment where I'm like, I don't think I can do this. Oops, sorry. I said, like, I don't think I can do this. Um, and yeah, I mean, thank God for therapy because we're here <laughs> for everyone you know who's listening and watching i don't have kids I, have kids. So I just want to say i made this clear i don't have kids all right i tell my kids I'm like why don't you have kids in this p i'm like because if i have a child i will not be working here <laughs> and tell them like do you, you do you want me to love you give you all my love or do you want to share my love with my child they're like well you can love me <laughs> just me just love me <laughs> like, you just love me I'm like okay there we go because I know for a fact that if I did have a child I would not be balancing the space that I'm like working at the space that I'm at now and I like working where I'm at and I love the patients very much that's amazing I mean I love that I I can I only hope <laughs> That, you know, like, I only hope that people have accessibility to therapists that love them because a lot I've had encounters with therapists that are not, they're just there. Mm-hmm. And I've had therapists that be like, well, you know, I know when you talk about your child, they're like, well, that's, they were just bad. And I'm like, well, I mean, they, they have their own trauma, right? Like, I'm not going to cut my mom off. I'm not going to cut my dad. I'm not going to cut all these people off. Like, let's chill. <laughs> 
let's relax. Um, well, so social worker that Bacola was dealing with, like, remember when she moved in with the- <laughs> Like, we're speaking about this, but wait, there's a whole part of that in the book. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, they took her out of the home, then put her back into the home. And it was after her dad tried to burn, like, the house the down house, huh? in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, wait a minute. Piccola, like she, I feel so bad. Like, and and I know this is a fictional character. I know this is not a real person. But you think about it could have happened to somebody. I I'm mean, like, it, I'm gonna really say there are so many Piccolas <laughs> in the world. Exactly. Right like, how many Piccolas are in the world that are in this really horrible, toxic, and abusive environment, and they're taking out by the government or um, I don't know what's what is it called? C DCFS. DCF. Uh, yeah. Every every city has a different, one, but DCF, yeah. right? And you're there, and then they send you to either a worse home or back, and then you are back into this toxic. Like you never get out of that environment, and like you said, it Piccola could have been great if she was taken out of that environment into a healthy one, but she didn't even have that choice. Yeah, no, they put her right back. Yeah, and that's how many how, kids now that happens yeah, to? And that's how she actually becomes friends with Claudia. It's like until when she's taken out of her home and put into the home with Claudia and her family. Yeah. And Claudia was like, that was the best summer ever, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it was like, the yeah. best time ever being with Pacola, you know? Yep. Like, we stopped fighting and we focused on Pacola and they were giving her all the love. And even though Miss uh, their mom was like, who drank these three quarts of milk? <laughs> Poor Piccola. She was she was thirsty. <laughs> it was like that like Shirley Temple cup. <laughs> yeah, it was it. Um, so I do want to touch on one thing before we like wrap everything up. Um, I do want to talk about the end, obviously. Um, she does not obviously she's 11, 12. She's not this baby is not happening, right? Um, but what happens to her, which you kind of touched up a little bit about it. What happens to her, to me, it hurts because, I mean, I feel like this whole book hurts <laughs> because, I mean, she has such a fantasy, right? She wanted to have these blue eyes and she goes crazy. Yeah, she completely literally her, goes crazy. Like her, like I had mentioned earlier, like she's physically dissociating, but now her brain is dissociating and she's creating because what happens is she ends up pregnant mm-hmm. and nobody no adult is giving her any attention advice and no anything yeah no like the only people who are like there for her is claudia and frida like and that's it but they're children and they so, can help her yeah no and so once you're um everyone who's listening you know is either gonna like you know watch the play read the book whatever but you're it's definitely called blue was i eyes because piccola wants blue eyes because in her mind blue eyes represents you know positivity positive attention you know and beauty affection. and it's blue eyes because you know shirley temple white girl the candy that she's really in love with has a little white girl on there and for her white symbolizes something that she wants she's it's not like dark skin like her you know it's not like the kinky hair that she has it's the complete opposite and so at the end like her brains like completely detaches from the fact that you know they're not you know jealous of your blue eyes that this mystical man bestows on you they're not looking at you because they can't look at you because they're like oh my gosh you are walking example of like the trauma of how we kind of just failed you and Mm -hmm. we can't give you that attention and so because of that you get nobody's attention you have to create your own attention from you know what we call internal stimuli (laughs) yeah so she disassociates and she definitely loses it. And I and I think it's very sad because the all she wanted was to be to have that attention, to feel pretty, to feel loved, to feel that she was somebody worthy of this other, you know, white people attention. And I and the fact that she thinks that she has these blue eyes, but nobody else can see them. She's like, nobody else can see them. And I mean, it's very, like I, 
feel so bad for her because baby, yeah, look, I'm girl, keep my baby put cola. <laughs> <laughs> the poor girl, she literally she she just goes crazy mm-hmm. over this. And not only and and when you think about it, she doesn't go crazy over the eyes. She goes crazy because she goes to a lot of trauma and she gets raped by her father and basically is victim shamed right because like the people around are like oh, older her women daughter let it out you know but like older women like the conversation was like did you hear Pacola's pregnant oh by who at which boy no not a boy her dad is just and then it goes from her dad they're gonna have another ugly like wait a minute yep <laughs> yeah they, in in this whole situation nobody cared Nobody cared to say, damn, Black, there that was like poor no girl. Range of care, like nobody, like, nobody was like, didn't care. Black people didn't care for her. Yeah, nobody was like, oh my god, this poor girl. No, it was just like, oh, is her father? Oh my god, like, did you did you think she just willingly did this? Like, yeah. this is this the the thing that you guys think happened? So, I mean, that's I think that's the main reason why she goes crazy not because of just the blue eyes i think it's just obviously like you said the sherry on top just like yeah. just that's it just loose losses 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 yeah. said, look at me i don't even know how to talk <laughs> at least i talked i talked for an hour or something you know something <laughs> there's something there i don't even know what i said anymore i think, think pacola and like all of her family are just like reminders to like the community that they were in that these are the type of because you didn't read the book. So there's yeah. a part in the book where there is um, Geraldine. They didn't put this part in the play, but basically like Geraldine, she's raising a son and he is, uh, he's light-skinned also. And she basically is like, I don't want you playing with these specific black kids. These are, you know, nigga black kids, like the kind that are dirty and mm-hmm. we don't associate with them. And that was like Pacola's family. Mm-hmm. And... So like their, like their family for the community was like, we can't be these black people. We have to be this type of black people in order to kind of survive. They were like the reminders of like real, like blackness, blackness, the blackness that you see that you're trying to run from. That is kind of also what I took from that is like, and her being pregnant is them just kind of like uh, another reminder, you know, why you shouldn't fraternize. Yeah, just like another reminder, you know, like, oh, this is here we go. Like, we don't want to be this part. We don't want to, you know, be part of this blackness because we are a better black people, which is also another thing that's happening today. It's just like, no, they're black. You're black. It doesn't matter the shade of black. And you're still going to get discriminated or how close it is, you know, to like your roots. It's just like it's black is black. But within like that, it was just kind of like a reminder. Oh, nope, we're not that black. We're the good black. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, it's this book is amazing. So for those of you who are interested, Audible, it's good. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you can get the book, but you can also watch the play. And just as a reminder, this episode is sponsored by the Huntington Boston Premier Theater Company. Use the promo code MOMS at the HuntingtonTheater.org and you'll get $10 off the ticket price for the current production, The Blue Eye. This promo code is also good to purchase the, purchase the online cinematic experience of The Blue Eye captured on 4K. So to, for more detail, details, go to thehuntingtontheater.org. And if you are in the Boston area, and for my friends who are here, I see you, hey. Um, <laughs> if you want to go see the play, let me know. Um, I'll go with you. I would love to see it again. I mean, I loved it the first time, so I'll go again so we can all meet up and hang out. And I hope you guys enjoy this live thank event, you. this first ever live event. Um, and thank you, Miss Piera, for being no part problem. of it. I hope I can hear you back on Mom's No Expert because oh, yes, now you're part this. of the family. <laughs> I, I like this. And just plug your your Insta and your situation so people can look you up. Look at her. She's oh. like, I don't even know what my stuff is. Hold on. I know. Hold on. <laughs> so <laughs> for anyone who is interested in my Instagram, it is 
Piera, that's P-I-E-R-R-A-D dot B. That's on Instagram. And then everything else is kind of like linked and attached to that. I think my TikTok, which is also kind of fun as well. She's huge on TikTok. Yeah, I'm not that huge. (laughs) And on TikTok, it's also P-I-E-R-R-A-D-B. So it's all kind of the same. Just one has a D dot B and one is just D-B. But if you're just like, interested in learning more about art therapy, those are the platforms where I give kind of like fun examples and informative information about what I do and how I do it and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So and if you have any questions for Moms No Expert, you know, you can reach me on Moms No Expert podcast at gmail.com or just DM me on Instagram on Moms No Expert. And I hope you guys have a wonderful Saturday wherever you are because <laughs> everybody's on different time zones yes. and enjoy your day thank you Pierre, for being here no problem have a good night i shall you do the same thank you again <laughs> thank you for joining me this week on mom's no expert podcast make sure to follow me on instagram at mom's no expert podcast and share the show with your friends don't forget to follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode 